Welcome in to LA Gridiron Weekly Saturday here in Los Angeles, 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. And my next guest is going to be new to Los Angeles. He is the first round pick of the Los Angeles Chargers. He is none other than Rashawn Slater. Rashawn, man, first of all, congratulations. Welcome to Los Angeles. How are you enjoying LA so far? Thank you. Yeah, LA's been awesome so far. And so, like, when I stepped off the plane and it was like 70 and sunny, I was like, wow. Like, I was immediately kind of blown away. Like, no humidity in the air. I'm from Houston, so I'm not used to that. Um, but it's been amazing so far. You know, the, the, obviously, the team, like, the players, the coaches have all been super welcoming and the fans have too. So, nothing but good things. Rashad, take me back to April 29th, though, 2021. You're in that green room. And you're sitting down and you're waiting and then pick 13 comes up and that cell phone rings. And I've seen the video of you and I've seen the video of Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley talking to you. But kind of describe that moment, man, because I've, I've as a former player, I I've felt that out of body moment. And I saw it within you where it's just like you could see that your dreams were about to happen. Just take me back to that phone call. Yeah, like you said, kind of out of body, like um, <laughs> So, like, you know how the draft is, like, I'm in the green room and, you know, people are getting the call, like, five minutes before they get picked. And so, like, right. I keep hearing, like, screams erupting from, like, other rooms, like, whenever they get picked. I'm like, okay, like, there's five minutes. I guess whoever picked before the Chargers, have, like, was about to announce their pick, and that's when my phone rang. And so I was like, oh, shoot. And at that moment, like, I think you can hear, like, all I was saying was, like, yes, sir, because I was just, like, <laughs> so, like, I was just so – uh not overwhelmed, but just like it was just a crazy moment, you know. I was a lot of emotion, but uh, it was really good. And my family got to be there, which was a really big deal for me, too. I think the emotions that you go through is that it's the relief that you finally know where you were going. But I'm gonna go back to 2020 and I go back to the summer where the Big Ten conference said, Hey, we're not going to play football, we are going to figure out how we're going to handle this pandemic. And you decided to opt out and say, you know what? I'm going to take my talent to the National Football League. The Big Ten said, okay, we want to play football. But you had already changed your mind. I mean, you'd already had your mind like, I'm getting ready for the NFL. Just how difficult was opting out in terms of just keeping your focus on the NFL and then seeing Northwestern play for a Big Ten title without Rashawn Slater? Just how difficult that whole process was up until the draft. Yeah, I mean, extremely difficult. Um I'd say the hardest part was like early on because, you know, I opted out whenever they canceled the season and then they brought it back and I just made the decision with myself and my coaches, you know, decided that my best option was just to, you know, pursue this. And so when it really started to come in question, whether I'd be able to do that was whenever camp started and I was like watching practice because I still held my iPad and stuff. And I was just watching all my guys like go at it and camp. And I was like, dang, like this is hard. And there was a couple of times where I almost, you know, I was thinking about calling my trainer and going back to school and like seeing like, Hey, like I know we're halfway through camp, but like, can I come back and like stuff like that? So like, it was, it was definitely difficult. Um, but then as the season went on, actually it got easier just because I was able to like separate myself, you know, understand where I put myself and I kind of realized I don't have time to have regret. Like if I'm using this time, I need to be fully focused on just, you know, getting myself ready. And so that's what I ended up doing. 
We're talking to Chargers rookie left tackle Rashawn Slater here on LA Gridiron Weekly. And so, look, you, you've made it down here to Los Angeles. You're experiencing OTAs. You're, you know, working with your quarterback, the offense, the offensive line, new head coach. Just how has the OTA and just being around the guys been so far? It's been good. Um, so, yeah, we have the mini camp like as soon as I started. And that was like my first exposure to this new coaching staff because I didn't really talk to them that much uh, throughout like the pre draft process. Uh, but you know, I quickly learned like this is a very, you know, this is a place where everyone's kind of seen as equals and we all understand that we're working together. And so it has a really family feel to it. And so it's been really good just to be part of an organization like that. Um, practice, you know, it was good. It was my first time like being at practice in like a long time. So <laughs> it, it, honestly, it just felt good to be a part of that again. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, just getting to know the guys on the team has been really good so far. We officially start OTAs on Monday, and so hopefully some of the vets come back for that too. Uh, but everyone in the class has been awesome. <laughs> um, I got a couple questions for, uh, for you in terms of where's the draft suit at? Well, I mean, where, where are you going to put that thing at? Because you know, Rashawn, the one thing about the draft suit, that you can really only wear it once. You can't wear it again because people always know, hey, that's your draft suit. What you doing with it? So where yeah. is the draft suit? Where will you put it at? And where are you going to keep wearing it at some point? Or are you going to put it up uh, into the attic or somewhere? Oh, no, I'm definitely not going to wear it again. I mean, whenever I was designing it, it was like custom. And there was a guy that was helping me make it. He's like, hey, like, do you, have you ever heard of this, like white collar or like these pockets? And I was like, no, I've never heard of that. But go ahead and throw it on there because like it was it was like a special thing. So I was like, you might as well. Uh, but right now it's in storage, and you're right. I'm not going to wear it again. I'll probably keep it, you know. <laughs> you know, look, one of the things that people are now starting to finally get to know you now because you're here in Los Angeles, but your workout videos, a lot of people have seen them. Um, I believe you've front squatted over four, 500 pounds, I believe, and you used to wear glasses when you work out, man. Now you don't have the glasses now. You went L.A. already on me. You just got the contacts in, but <laughs> – just, just tell me uh, what, you know, for a guy like yourself and, and working out and lifting that much weight, when did you realize that you were just one of the strongest guys, not just on your team, but that's a lot of weight, man, just in the country? Uh, whenever I, you know, I, I didn't register my freshman year at Northwestern and I kind of had an idea like going into it, just like kind of sizing people up on my visits and stuff. I was like, okay, I think I'm stronger than him. And once I got to Northwestern and, like, started doing my first college workouts, I realized I was one of the strongest people on the team already. And uh, I never really considered myself one of the strongest players in the country, just, like, weight room-wise, until I did that. And I kind of realized, like, I've never seen anyone do that before. Yeah. 500-pound front squat. Trust me, I can put – I used to put 135 on. I couldn't bend my elbows. I just, I don't understand the strength. I know it takes a lot of strength to do that, but I know you mentioned you used to wear glasses when you worked out. Yeah. Was that like you being Clark Kent or <laughs> this is like you're out of by like, I'm not Superman. I'm Clark Kent. I'm trying to be, you know, incognito here, but yet you're lifting the whole gym. No, that was just me being too lazy to put contacts in in the morning. The, the contacts is a recent switch. Uh, like you said, I've gone to L.A. already. So what's the Rashawn Slater mentality, though? Uh, because you c come from Northwestern, which is mm -hmm. sort of an underdog. They've been the underdog. People have kind of deemed you as an underdog. So w what's your mentality now, having been drafted? What's the mentality that you take on as you get ready for your in the first NFL season? It's definitely that of an underdog, um, just because throughout my life, that's what I've always considered myself, you know, when it comes to football. Didn't really have that many offers at a high school. People said I was too small to play tackle. 
played at Northwestern, uh, which is always an underdog. And so I feel like having the mentality that, you know, people are always going to be underestimating me and me wanting to earn that respect is always something that's fueled me. And even now, you know, it still does. Um, but also throughout that, I've kind of learned like how to work and like what works for me. And so it's a combination of that, but also like understanding myself better, uh, just like as an athlete and like, you know, what my process looks like and stuff like that. And so it's nice because like, you know, this time I wasn't playing this past season, but I was around like a lot of guys who had been around the NFL for a long time. And so that kind of helped me build a lot of confidence in what it means to be a pro and kind of how they prepare and apply it to myself. Just a couple more minutes here with Chargers left tackle Rashawn Slater here on LA Gridiron Weekly. And Rashawn, you mentioned being around guys, but I know you're, you've you watched other offensive linemen. I don't know who's that offensive lineman that you've patterned your game after or you've taken a little bit here or there or you love studying. Yeah, there's a, there's quite a few of them uh, that I kind of try to take a little bit from. I'd say the ones that immediately pop in my head as uh, Tyron Smith, uh, Zach Martin, Jason Peters, Trent Williams, Ron Armstead. Those are like some of the guys like I've, I've really watched a lot of. Yeah, those aren't some guys. They're some dudes, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know now that you've come to L.A. as well. Did you bring the the, the bearded dragon? Did you bring the pet dragon with you to Los Angeles? Um, Everybody's been t- asking about where's the dragon at? The dragon is still at home in Houston, but – we're working on I got to get an apartment first and I got to set her up a, a space and then I'm going to have my parents bring her up. So, you know, when you make the salads in the morning now, you got to bring, you know, kale is big out here in California. So yeah. now she's going to be able to eat every kind of salad known to man here in California. So you got to get up early now, make that salad for the dragon. Yeah, I'm going to have to do that for sure. And I'm going to have to take her out and let her enjoy the natural sun. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I guess last question for you, too, is that, you know, sometimes, you know, draft picks, they come in and they're, they're focused on just playing football, playing football. But, you know, now that, you know, you got Justin Herbert, you've got a lot of guys around you. Like, how do you feel the transition is going to be for you uh, with this team? I think it definitely helps to have guys like that around me, like you said, um, especially being in a veteran O-line room. You know, I can kind of you know, use, utilize their wisdom that they've gained over the years and like kind of their techniques and the way they do things to my advantage and kind of pick their brains. Um, but right now, like the biggest thing, and even pre-draft, I was saying like the first thing I want to do is just master the playbook. And so that's been my biggest focus so far. And uh, yeah, just like now I've started to build chemistry with the guys at OTAs. And have you heard of In-N-Out Burger before? Yeah, of course. Okay. Have you had one before? I've had an out burger. Okay, yeah. I'm just making sure because you're coming from yeah. Texas, so you know there's always this big fight. But people say it's oh the fight is between California football players versus Texas football players. I said no, the big fight is between In and Out versus Whataburger. Which one 100%. would you have? So I'm asking you on the way out of here on LA Gridiron Weekly, Rashawn, right now, is it Whataburger? Is it In and Out? It's a hundred percent Whataburger, <laughs> without a doubt. <laughs> surprise man oh there we go well there's the answer right there and i'm telling you i know some californians people here especially down here in southern california they're going to take you up on that they're going to take you to in and out and we're going to give you all the different kind of burgers and i'm telling you as your time here in los angeles you will become an in and out guy i'm telling you i hope so i'm i'm i'd be happy to be converted but as of now as it stands it's whatever 
Man, oh man. Hey, Rashawn, I know you got a busy schedule. You got to get back out there with the team, man. Appreciate the time and best of luck. And we cannot wait to see you in that building that's standing behind me. For the people listening, they don't, they're listening, but they don't see that SoFi Stadium is my backdrop. I can't wait to see you out there on the field and best of luck this season, Rashawn. Can't wait. Thanks so much for having me. All right, that was Rashawn Southern, rookie tackle for the Los Angeles Chargers. More LA Gridiron Weekly coming up next. It's beautiful Saturday here in Los Angeles, LA Gridiron Weekly, 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. Man, Rashawn Slater, first round draft choice of the Los Angeles Chargers, outstanding interview. And I think he's gonna he's gonna hear it from the people in Los Angeles, people down here in Southern California. Gotta convert him from a Whataburger guy to an in and out guy. I'm a big in and out guy, trust me. I think I might go there today. In and out on my mind. You know what? I'm going to go there today. Uh, double, double, animal style. Maybe go animal fries. Who knows, man? I'm feeling animal fries today here on LA Gridiron Weekly. But but thanks again to Rashawn Slater. Um, it's going to be a fun fun team to watch, those Chargers in SoFi Stadium. And think about it. Every week in SoFi Stadium is going to be f- phenomenal. I mean, really. You're going to have some some of the best matchups. You know, we had Charlotte Carey on, the director broadcasting for the NFL, just talking about just the first two weeks of the NFL season. Think about it. Like week one, Rams-Bears, Sunday night football. Monday night football, it's Raiders taking on the Baltimore Ravens in Allegiant Stadium. And then the next Sunday, oh, the Dallas Cowboys come to SoFi to play against the Chargers. So, yeah, that first, like, week, two weeks of the NFL season, I cannot wait. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776 is the phone number because I want to get, what's your game that you're circling? What game have you circled on the season that you that you can't wait, that you're booking a flight for if it's a game out of, uh, out of L.A. or it's a game across the country, whatever game it may be. I know for me that um, I've got a game, a sneaky good game, for both the Rams and the Chargers. And I'll share with that in a little bit. I got my guy Cameron De Silva. He's the managing editor of the Rams Wire. He's coming up about about eight minutes from now. So Cam De Silva, we're going to get his take on the Rams and where they're at right now and Matthew Stafford as the Rams actually started OTAs, organized team activities. And they've got a quite a turnout. Quite a turnout. Um, that's been sort of something that's been going on in, in, a, in the NFL this year. For all those people who are listening, you kind of hear this back and forth about will players show up to the voluntary offseason program because it's voluntary. I remember when I was a player, we called it voluntary mandatory. Yeah, it's voluntary to be there. But if you don't get there, you're probably going to get cut or you're going to get released. That was kind of the the un, the unknown known, basically. Because it was the offseason program where you worked out, you you had it, it's a practice, but not really a practice, but it's getting the game plan down. And for me, it was different. Everybody's situation is different. In the NFL, I played for six head coaches in eight years. So think about that. For all those people out there driving right now, people at home, people listening, think about it. In the eight years that you're working at a certain location or a place. You have six different bosses, like six different bosses in eight years. That's what I had. And so you got to learn the new culture, the new philosophy. How does this coach want to do things? How how are meetings going to go? Practices, all of that stuff. You got to keep learning how to do it. 
So for me, the offseason program, well, I sort of had to be there because <laughs> I had to make a good impression on my new head coach. I don't want to be the guy that didn't, you know, was not uh, listening or I mean, not listening, but I, would, I didn't want to be the guy who said, you know what, I, I don't care about this new coach. I, I'll show up when I want to. No, no, I'm, I'm not, never been that guy. It was voluntary and I showed up. I was there for all of them in my eight years in the NFL. And with the Rams, they've pretty much had a, a strong attendance. And I think it's hard for a lot of guys, especially in the NFL, like, think about this. For the Rams, a guy who showed up to their offseason or the OTA, or the uh, organized team activity. For people here, the term OTA, that's what it stands for. Organized team activity, which is basically a, I guess, a, a, a sexier word than practice. <laughs> That's all it is, just practice. That's all it is. It's just a form of practice, except you're not supposed to go full speed. It's not supposed to be contact. But it was competitive. Guys are competing. And when you have an organized team activity, an OTA in the offseason, and Aaron, Aaron Donald is there, the best defensive player in the NFL, probably one of the top ten players, top five players, regardless of position in the NFL. When he's at the OTA, when he's at the offseason program, tell me what guy is not supposed to be there. If your hardest worker is working as hard as he is, why shouldn't you be there? Why shouldn't you volunteer your time to be there? It is your job. That was always been my take on that. Didn't ever want to miss a day, and you got your best player there. So the Rams, yes, they, they've, they've started their organized team activities, seeing throughout the social media content, uh, Matthew Stafford, throwing a football, what he looks like in the Rams uniform, the Rams colors. He's got some guys to throw the football to. The Chargers will start on Monday, and we'll get a chance to see Justin Herbert throwing a football around to some of his new weapons as he begins his sophomore season in the NFL. We'll get a chance to see what he looks like, what the new guys look like, and also see number 70, Rashawn Slater, who we just had on the program, see him out there running around with his new teammates. So football season is definitely approaching and you're getting excited about it because this is part of the process. This is part of the process, the off season, the off season workouts, the off season training, the practices, because you got about a couple more weeks and then we'll have the mandatory mini camps around the NFL. Now, mandatory mini camp, that is the only mandatory thing that you have to be at in the off season. That's what usually raises eyeballs around the NFL in terms of media, reporters, journalists. Because if a player is not at the mandatory minicamp, and maybe I got to double check this, I'll double check it, but I believe it's a fine of up to up between it's between thirty and forty six thousand, something like it, it, it's a lot of money. Trust me, the mandatory minicamp is where everyone has to be at. That's why they call it mandatory minicamp. They don't care what you do in the offseason. It's all voluntary. But yet, when it comes to that minicamp, oh, you better be at the minicamp. If you don't, there's significant fines that you have to pay. And there's guys who have uh, missed some significant money because they wanted to make a statement. Usually, guys who don't show up is because of the contract. There's some guys who have the franchise tag, too, as well, who the team offers them the franchise tag. Now, they don't have to sign it right away. The offer's still there. And 
technically they don't have to be at the mandatory minicamp because they are technically not under contract, even though the team has deemed them the franchise player. So there are some some reasons why some guys won't be at mandatory minicamp, but there's a lot of reasons why the guys who are under contract, they better be there because you can get into a lot of trouble or lose a lot of money. But a lot of that comes to contract disputes. But so far, we think that we won't have anybody here in Los Angeles when it comes to the Rams or the Chargers. It's kind of moving away, not 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 being a part of the mandatory portion of this NFL offseason schedule. So we'll get more of that, too. Again, my sneaky good games for the Rams and the Chargers. I'm going to save that for the last segment because I just want to get your thoughts on that, too. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. I want to get your thoughts again. Your, your, your game you're circling, the game that you can't wait to see, and for real, my sneaky good game, I will let you guys know. But first, uh, Cameron De Silva, he's the managing editor of the Rams Wire. He's going to join LA Gridiron Weekly. Going to talk a little bit of Rams, talk a little bit of uh, Matthew Stafford, and also Sean McVay. What do we expect from Sean McVay now that he has his hand-picked quarterback? We'll get to more of that next. Cam DeSilva coming up here next on LA Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN. Everybody, welcome back in. Welcome back in. LA Gridiron Weekly here on a Saturday, 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. Any questions, again, remember, at Kirk Morrison on Twitter. As we're talking football, we're talking everything that's going on in Los Angeles, but another guy better suited to help us talk about football in Los Angeles. He's Cam DeSilva. You can reach him on Twitter, at Cam DeSilva. He is the managing editor of the Rams Wire on Twitter at for USA Today. So uh, without further ado, Cam, man, how are you doing, brother? Good to talk to you. I'm doing well, Kirk. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well because now that we've gotten to this uh, part of the offseason where the draft has happened, free agency has happened, right now we're going through the OTAs and mini camps so far, but I think we've kind of went through everything already. But now as you focus on the offseason, as you get ready to the regular season, What's your focus in trying to produce, whether it's content or what do you want to see throughout the rest of this offseason? Yeah, I'm interested to see how Matt Stafford kind of meshes with the, with his new team. Uh, first time being away from the Lions in 12 years in Detroit. So he's got new teammates, new scheme, new coaches, new everything. So I'm interested to see how he fits in there, what Sean McVay has planned for him. Um, I think we're going to see a nice uptick in the offense with, with Stafford taking over for Jared Goff, more deep passes and uh, just a, a more aggressive offense. So that's something that I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, we've seen, we're, we haven't really seen much of it in OTAs with no hitting, no helmets, no pads or anything. But once training camp rolls around in July and August, I think we'll get a better feel for what this offense is going to look like and what this team as a whole is going to do. You know, you've been covering the league now for six years and yep. you've been covering the Rams now since uh, the Sean McVay era, since 2017. Yep. For you, what has been the big difference or what is what have you seen this team sort of evolve or how have they evolved under Sean McVay in these what, just four seasons already, only on year five? But how has this team evolved under Sean McVay? Yeah, it's been fun to watch. Um, McVay came in. He, he was a new coach, um, new scheme, really leaned heavily on 11 personnel. He had three receivers on the field 
pretty much all the time. Um, in the last couple of years, it's still been heavy with 11 personnel with three receivers, one tight end, one running back, but um, getting more into, into two tight end sets, getting Higby and Everett on the field. So I think we've seen some evolution with that. Um, I think we'll see a heavier lean on the running game compared to last year uh, going into 2021 Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, almost getting back to um, what they had with Todd Gurley, where he was really the catalyst of the offense. Still going to be a lot of Matthew Stafford throwing the ball and, and pushing the field, pushing the ball downfield. But um, I'm, I'm interested to see how this is going to evolve with Cam Akers going into year two. Um, but as far as just how this team has evolved, it's, it's been fun to watch Cooper Cup and Robert Woods develop into these kind of um, top receivers, not necessarily top 10 guys in the league, but right. one of the best tandem <laughs> tandems out there um, just as a duo. Um, Deshaun Jackson, how they're going to integrate him. Uh, just getting back to a more explosive offense that we saw in 2018 with when Brandon Cooks was there and, uh, and they were taking more shots downfield and hopefully going to see some of that come back. Yeah, you mentioned it. Brandon Cooks, man. We forget we sometimes forget that Sammy Watkins was around for a yeah. year, that first yep. year under Sean McVay. And I felt that they got they've gotten away from those two type players, right? Sammy Watkins, mm-hmm. Brandon Cooks. That's when the Rams offense was at its best. They didn't have that in 2020, and the Rams offense struggled. So to get a Deshaun Jackson, uh, a two-two at well, I think that bodes well for the offense. But Cam, what about Matthew Stafford that is going to help? Sean McVay is it still you think going to be more 11 personnel or do you see them being a little bit more multiple in their personnel because I feel like you can give the entire playbook to a Matthew Stafford and he's also have he's got audibles built-in audibles because he's seen so much great football yeah I, I think you you said it right there um it's not only the the intangibles of Matthew Stafford being able to read things at the line and, and immediately after the snap, being able to diagnose the defense and see what's coming and whether they're in man zone, uh, whether the blitz is, is coming off the edge or, or what's going on. So I think you're going to see a lot more um, plays that not necessarily break down, but you're going to see Matthew Stafford extend plays, um, make plays out of structure with which kind of Jared Goff struggled with a little bit, I would say, in the last couple of years. Um, whether he got pressure or his receivers weren't open, there just there wasn't much that he was able to do uh, when things broke down. So I think when with Stafford, he's a quick decision maker. He, he has a live arm. He can throw from different platforms, and whether his feet are set or not set, he can make good throws. So that's going to be something that we're going to see a lot of. Um, as far as the personnel, I, I, I would like to think that you're going to see a lot of eleven personnel just based on how many receivers they have, but you're talking about mixing and matching Robert Woods, Cooper cup, Deshaun Jackson, Tutu Atwell, Van Jefferson. You could go five wide easily, yeah. which isn't something that we really <laughs> saw from them at all. I mean, we saw empty, empty backfields, a good amount with Jared Goff, but not necessarily with five receivers out there or four receivers in a tight end. It was, I think you're going to, with the personnel that they have, um, I'm not saying Jacob Harris is going to do a ton, but I mean, he's a fun playmaker mismatch that you can have out there. He's like six, five runs mm-hmm. four, four, so they have a lot of different options, and I'm, I'm excited to see what McVay's going to do for him. We're talking with Cam DeSilva. He's the managing editor of the Rams Wire for USA Today. You can follow him on Twitter at Cam DeSilva. Look, we've been talking a little bit about these receivers and for the Rams, tight ends, but uh, two in particular. And I saw you write about this a little bit ago in terms of Robert Woods and also Cooper Cup and where they rank in terms of wide receivers in the National Football League where I think the Rams receiving core, one of the deepest in the NFL, 
but yet they don't have that top line guy. They don't have the guy yeah. who everyone's saying, oh, he's the best in the NFL. He's top five receiver. But I look at them collectively as a group. I feel like I'd rather have the group that the Rams have rather than a top flight wide receiver like a Julio Jones or DeAndre mm-hmm. Hopkins. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's really 1A, 1B um, as, as far as Robert Woods and Cooper Cup go. They're both so capable. Um, what makes the Rams offense difficult to defend is that you can't necessarily just eliminate one guy. Um, whereas with other teams where they have one number one receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, you stick a Jalen Ramsey on him and it changes the offense completely. They don't have necessarily that one B guy that the Rams do have with with Woods and Cup. So if you take away one of them, the other one's going to step up. And I, I think that trickles down the rest of the depth chart, too, with with Van Jefferson. He's a very capable receiver, really good route runner, good hands. Deshaun Jackson is if he can stay healthy, he's going to be a productive guy, I think, with with the deep shots that Stafford's going to take. Um, but Woods and Cup are really what make this offense go. And, and they extended both of them last year, restructured their contracts this year. So they're, they're sticking around for the long haul. And uh, it's a tandem that not a lot of teams can necessarily say they have mm-hmm. um, both good route runners, both reliable hands. Woods has better speed than I think he probably gets credit for, too. Um, he's, he's a quick receiver. Cooper Cup is just so he's so aware with his routes and just getting the right depth and, and setting these defensive backs up with inside outside releases and things like that. So it's, it's a great receiver uh, duo for any quarterback to have. And I, I think Stafford's going to love him. Well, tell me about the backup quarterback competitions. <laughs> you never thought I was going to ask you that. We talked so much about the Rams and their offense, but you know, what about the backup quarterback position? And I saw, you know, the, the content that you put out and, you know, just we, we saw something from John Walford, you know, mm-hmm. training with Ben Affleck's uh, former trainer. So uh, yeah. just tell me, first of all, tell me about the backup quarterback position. And then also too, what John Walford uh, can present as well. Yeah, I think it's got to be Walford being the, the QB2 again behind Stafford. Um, we saw him play a couple of games last year, week 17, and then in that first wild card round, he, he got hurt with the stinger. So he got knocked out early, but I, I liked what I saw from him. I liked what I saw from him in, in, uh, in the preseason, not last year, but the year before when, when they actually did have a preseason. So he's kind of a quick, jittery guy. He's got good movement skills, a live arm, and, and we saw some deep shots that he took last year in those games where Jared Goff wasn't necessarily taking them. And I think it kind of opened the playbook up for, for McVay a little bit. We had mm-hmm. those zone reads and um, designed runs for the quarterback. It was fun to watch. Um, so I, I think McVay really likes what Wolford has shown. He's going to be here for another year. I think he's either a restricted free agent or exclusive rights free agent next year. So he'll probably be around in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a good guy to have because he's a hard worker. Aaron Donald said it um, when Wolford was going to start last December that he was leaving during the bye week and, and Walford was walking in with a football in his hand saying, what's up? And he was going to study film and, and work out. And uh, so he's a guy who puts the work in and I think he's going to, he shouldn't have much trouble beating out Bryce Perkins and, and Devlin Hodges for that backup role. Um, and he's a guy that I think they're lucky to have as their backup quarterback. You know, Cam, we're almost eight, nine, 10 minutes into this interview. And yet we haven't even talked defense until we just spoke Aaron Donald's name there yep. talking about last season, but New defensive coordinator Raheem Morris uh, takes over the job. We know that Brandon Staley, the new head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. I, I guess what's, I guess what's the expectation for this defense? I mean, I've been really trying to figure it out and nail mm-hmm. something down. Or what's the true expectations of this defense? Because they lost John Johnson. You know, they lost some some key guys on defense that you know a, a Troy Hill. People may not know how how 
valuable he was mm-hmm. for this team. But those guys are now gone. What's a true expectation for this defense? Yeah, I mean, Ramsey said it himself. He said without Troy Hill, he wouldn't have had the season that he had being an all pro just because of the, the flexibility and versatility that, that Troy Hill has where he can play inside, he can play outside. Um, so having a guy who can move around and allow Ramsey to play in the slot and play outside and match up with DeAndre Hopkins and DK Metcalf and not have to worry about the other side of the field or the slot, um, that makes a big difference. And, and he's a big loss. So is John Johnson. So is Michael Brockers, who they traded. Morgan Fox, I would say, is a decent yeah. loss, too. He's, he's kind of that situational five technique pass rusher um, from the defensive end spot. So there's there's some big losses there. Um, fortunately, they were able to keep Leonard Floyd, who, who I think is a, a big retention because there's some questions about the pass rush besides Aaron Donald. But um, I, I think the expectation is that they'll probably have another top 10 defense. It'll be tough because like the guys that we mentioned, the players they lost, but also Brandon Staley he had a mm-hmm. great scheme, set these guys up so well with, with his defense. Um, I don't necessarily know that you can expect them to have the number one defense again, just because <laughs> uh, the, the, it's so difficult to go back to back years with, with the best defense in the league. But when you got Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and Darius Williams, who I think a lot of people are going to get to know well this year in his second season as a starter, um, you can really put together a strong defense. And Sebastian Joseph Day is another guy who gets overlooked a little bit. Um, so they, they got some good players on that defense, even though they did lose some in free agency. Let's just one more minute here with Cam DeSilva. He's the managing editor of the of the Rams Wire on Twitter. Uh, also, too, I want to look. This is my last question for you because the schedule was just released, Cam. Okay, mm-hmm. and everyone has a game that they circle. What was that game for you? What, what's that game for you for the Rams in twenty twenty one that you can't wait to see? I think it's got to be the Bucks. Um, it's week three. That it's mm-hmm. against the defending champs, a team that they beat last year. Tom Brady coming to SoFi Stadium, his first game ever in Los Angeles, which I couldn't believe. Um, <laughs> but it's it's going to be a fun matchup. Um, the Bucks returned all of their starters on offense and defense. Really good offseason for them coming back from, from the Super Bowl win. Um, so that's a game that I've really circled. I'm interested to see what, what the Lions do when they come back to, to SoFi with Jared Goff and Michael Brockers coming back. Um, but I would say that Bucks game is the one I've circled. And then if Aaron Rodgers is still around, if he's still with the Packers, week 12 against the Packers is another one. I got a sneaky game, a sneaky game. No yeah. one's talking about, you know what? I'm going to save it for our listeners, man. I'm going to save it for our <laughs> listeners. I'm going to tell them after the break, man, seriously. But Cam, I want to thank you. Thank you for your time today. Appreciate it. Let's catch up soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. All right, that was Cameron DeSilva. He's the managing editor of the Rams Wire. You can follow him on Twitter at Cam DeSilva, also at the Rams Wire on Twitter as well. Follow him, great dude. All right, I just told you what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you the sneaky game on the Rams schedule nobody's talking about. I'll tell you more of that next here on LA Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN. Oh, man, thanks again to... Managing editor of the Rams Wire, Cameron De Silva, joining me last segment. Awesome interview as well. We had a great, great guest today, man. I just always say this at LA Gridiron Weekly, I want you to be smarter. I want to be smarter. I think we got smarter today. I think we learned something today by our, our with our fantastic uh, interviews throughout. So it's been fun, definitely. But 
Uh, I know we got some phone calls. I want to get into a, fun, a couple of phone calls here. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. couple questions in on Twitter as well. So at Kirk Morrison is my Twitter handle on Twitter and Instagram. Anything you want to throw, throw it at me. we got a couple minutes here before we have to uh, say bye-bye for this week uh, of this Saturday edition of L.A. Gridiron Weekly. Um, but I've been teasing this for a while. I don't know, people be like, oh, what's the sneaky good game? What's the sneaky good game? The sneaky good game for me on the Rams schedule, sneaky good game, right? Is it a division game? No. I know what I'm going to get between Rams Seahawks, Rams 49ers, and Rams versus um, Cardinals. I know what I'm going to get. Oh, it must be Rams at Packers. No, still, that's not it. Oh, no, 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 wait, wait. Oh, I get it. Rams at Ravens. No. Mm-mm. Oh, no, no. Week three, Rams versus Buccaneers. Tom Brady coming to SoFi Stadium. That's got to be it. Nope. Nope. Because I saw it last year. I know what it looks like. The sneaky good game for me, sneaky good game for me, November 7th, Sunday night football, Rams at SoFi Stadium at home, taking on the Tennessee Titans. And you're going to say, what? The Tennessee Titans? Are you serious? Sneaky good? Sneaky good game. Because this is a clash of two different styles, two different ways that these teams go about their business, about their culture, how they win games. It's Derrick Henry or King Henry 2K. Remember, it rushed for over 2,000 yards. Derrick Henry did. Let's not forget that. So he's going to go up against Aaron Donald, the best defensive player in the NFL. That's the matchup. Henry versus Donald. We're going to watch them throughout. Then you throw in the Stafford, Tannehill, and you got the, uh, the other players who will make up that game. But it's a sneaky good game because it's a clash of different styles. It's the McVay, up-tempo, speed, spread you out, 11 personnel. And then you've got the offensive style of Tennessee, which has been – Couple tight ends, run the ball, physical, tough, up front. So it's going to be fun to watch these two clashing styles. The Rams don't play teams in the NFC like that. Like the NFC is, I won't call it more finesse, but it's more throwing. You know, it's more around the quarterbacks and throwing the football and taking off. You get to that AFC, especially AFC North, AFC South, it can get physical. It's about running the football a lot more. And so I want to see what that style looks like. That's my sneaky good game. It's going to be sneaky because I think everyone's just like, oh, it's just the Titans. But I'm going to watch that game. I think it's going to be one of the closest games of the season. And I know for sure we will be entertained. That's my sneaky good game. Tennessee Titans at Rams. King Henry versus Aaron Donald. Man, wow. For the Chargers, my sneaky good game. (laughs) Sneaky good game for the Chargers, right? They've got some... You know, whether it's the Dallas game in week two, we know about the Raiders and the Chiefs. Like I said, we know about the division opponents. We know what those games look like. It's going to be fun to watch. We don't have to call them sneaky good. We know that they're good. But I thought about this one. December 5th, Chargers at Bengals. (laughs) Yep, you heard me. Chargers at Bengals, December 5th. Well, why would we care about that? Because in a league which we pit up quarterbacks against each other, it'll be the first quarterback taken 
in the 2020 draft, Joe Burrow, versus the third quarterback taken in the 2020 draft, which we know is Justin Herbert. Hopefully, could this be uh, a new version of Manning Brady? Right? Could this be? I mean, they both are in the same conference. So you're going to get those conference opponents. So Bengals, Chargers, but it's more about Burrow versus Herbert. That's the matchup. That's what I want to see. Burrow versus Herbert. That's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Sneaky, good game. I'm not saying it's going to be one that everybody around the National Football League wants to watch, but this is my opinion. This is what I want to see. I want to see Tennessee Rams, and I want to see Burrow versus Herbert because no matter what, they'll always be linked to that 2020 draft. Very similar to what we had with golf versus Wentz. Remember that? Remember that was a thing? Golf, Jared Golf versus Carson Wentz. And, man, how quickly do things change? Wow. Yeah, that's it's not the same anymore, but they'll still be linked because of their draft class. And we'll always look at how they finish. I mean, how how they rate, how we look at them because of where they were drafted at and how their careers panned out. It's always going to be got a couple calls. I want to get a couple calls in here. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. Let's go uh, to Steve in La Habra. What's up, Steve? Hey, not much, buddy. Great show as always. Um, you know, just real quick on the Chargers. The Chargers want to act like they did a great job in selecting uh, uh, Herbert. You know, mm-hmm. they just got the guy who Miami didn't pick. So, you know, they were just <laughs> going to get the leftovers between the two. So before, you know, Charger fans over there thinking how great of a draft they did that year, they just got the leftovers, and Miami's the one that made the huge mistake. We can say the same thing about the Houston Texans and then also, too, um, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, by the way, who picked it, you know, yeah. Deshaun Watson and also Patrick Mahomes. Sometimes it's just the quarterback falls to you. But go ahead, Steve. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, no, you were talking about voluntary, um, you know, workouts. Um, I get it if you're Aaron Donald or Jalen Ramsey or Andrew Whitworth. You know, you, you know you're good. But, um, you know, like Matthew Stafford, I saw him holding the ball the other day. That guy has – real hands compared to Jared Goff holding that football. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. he's going to want to get to know the new receivers. Deshaun Jackson's want to know his new teammates. You know, um, you know, maybe Stafford wants to take the offensive line out to dinner a few times a week. But my uh, another question I have for you is, do they pay for you to fly out? I know NFL players can afford a, a, a plane ticket. You know, do they put you up in a hotel? Do they pay for your meals? And what would, other than the contract dispute, and uh, we know Keyshawn Johnson probably hated going to voluntary workouts. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, appreciate it, Steve. Yeah, I will uh, break that all down for you uh, really quickly, which, you know what, I think this is great that we can do it because I'm going to break it all down for you in what I call the two-minute drill. Well, look here, look, the NFL teams fly you out twice, okay? They fly you out one time to come to practice and one time to end. So you get two flights. No matter when you're going to show up, you got to use them. That's how it is. Every year you get two flights, one in, one out. You do get compensated for being there. It's not a lot, but it's a nice little per diem for being at the off-season workouts. The one thing I always say this, off-season workouts were great because you have a chef. right? You're fed breakfast, lunch, and for me, I was a guy that took a little something extra and took it home for dinner. So not only are you getting fed, you're also around the facility, doctors, trainers, I mean, whirlpool, cold pool, stretching, everything you need is all right there in front of you. And so for me, I loved being there because I knew 
I had everything in front of me. It's like going to one of these high price, you know, sports clubs. That's what the NFL offseason looks like. And that's why I think players should always go there. And me, I was always a cost-efficient guy in the NFL, and that's one of the reasons why I uh, always wanted to show up. You know, keep a little money in my pocket. So, yeah, we can get more into that next week as well here on LA Gridiron Weekly because next week I'm trying to get a little college football talk here in LA Gridiron Weekly. We haven't talked a lot of college football. I want to get the UCLA and USC, just get the scope on what things are going to look like for them for the 2021 season, man. But special thanks again to our guest today, Charlotte Carey, the NFL Director of Broadcasting. She was awesome. First-round pick of the Los Angeles Chargers. Rashawn Slater, thank you again. And Cameron DeSilva, Managing Editor of the Rams Wire. For Steve Pallett, my engineer for today, man, I've been Kirk Morrison, and this has been LA Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN.